This week on How to Be 60, we are talking to my friend and fellow loose woman, Jane Moore, who actually celebrated her 60th birthday this week. She says she's a changed woman. I am no longer ambitious at all. That's completely gone. I was very ambitious when I was young and I have no ambition at all now. I'm kind of just looking at my life now and thinking, what do I want to do with this final third of my life? And that's quite, that's quite heavy. It's scaring the shit out of me. Hi everyone, this is the How To Be 60 podcast with me, Kay Adams, eyeing it in the not-too-distant future with a mixture of panic and intrigue and Karen McKenzie, who is a fully paid-up member of the <laughs> 60 Is Sick Club. Do you get that? No, 60 Is Sick. Yes, yes, that's, that's what the kids say. It's sick, it means it's great, it's cool, it's wonderful. Did you not know that? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Move on. <laughs> Move on. And at this point, uh, Nathan, who is a lovely, can I call you studio, studio manager, Nathan, here, who is, well, he's just told us his granddad is two years older than you, Karen. Oh, uh, and you don't look very young, Nathan. <laughs> this is grim. And he has just been helping you get into your banking app, hasn't he? <laughs> Oh, my God. I just sat here and I it's thought, awful. this is what we have come to. Nathan, here's my phone. And How do I get my bank See, you're a bit details? nippy with me. Like, I reminded you of your grandfather. And I just said, clearly it's the moustache that I'm courting here. I mean, it used to be, you know, you're the same. Well, actually, we're going to be speaking to one of my celebrity friends today, actually. Uh, yes, Jane Moore uh, from Loose Woman. Do you remember Loose Woman? Have I got to tell you what that is again? I know it's on at lunchtime-ish. <laughs> I don't know what channel it's on. <laughs> but we always used to say, of course, um, oh, I could have given birth to that one or whatever as we get older in the business, you know, with people you're working with. But you have actually reached the stage that Nathan here, a fully grown man, is saying you're the same age as his granddad. God, I know. Did, did, I wonder, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping <laughs> that you're grandparents or your parents whoever it is all had children really young like 16 probably in Glasgow 15 yeah. <laughs> he's nodding but in quite a patronising way I have to say yeah now Jane is coming up because of course she is uh, 60 around a bit now that is why yes. I thought it'd be good to speak to Jane now just before we do speak to her do you know who she is no 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 I'm being honest I'm being upfront. when you said Jane Moore's coming on, Google, and then um, clearly loose woman, journalist. Um, I mean, the thing I love was... about this is you used to work as a radio producer in topical <laughs> features, and you know who no bugger is. I mean, do you know who Barack Obama is? I mean, I we like what's, hang on, what's hang the on. bar there? Who's <laughs> that again? Remind me, remind me. Shit. Well, can I tell you, she's smart, talented, successful, ambitious, and you have nothing at all in common with her. Okay, um, so <laughs> hands up. I know that. I'm, she's actually. I'm seeing Jane on screen now, and can I just see? Your hair is gorgeous. Oh my! It's God. beautiful. I was gonna, I was gonna mention it before we actually came on because I could see you there on screen. It's beautiful. And you turn around to look at the art 
at the back and it swung. You're just like an article from a You an are advert. a total arse licker. I cannot I, believe you no, have done that. I'm looking at, 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 at um, Jane and I'm looking at UK. Jane has just been in a loose woman's studio. She's had two hours of work. Two hours my foot. It was about 40 minutes. <laughs> well, it's 40 minutes longer than I've had, that's for sure. Jane, can I apologise because I promised you and Karen that you would get an authentic person and someone who wasn't afraid to speak her mind, somebody, you know, who was really honest. And she's just creeped up to you there in the most despicable fashion. And that is me being honest. I'm loving it. (laughs) That's what I get complimented on the most is my hair. Do you know, oh, is that right? Um, When I went to the hairdressers about, I don't know, four or five weeks ago, (laughs) shut it, I asked them for a fringe Okay, because I thought makes you look younger. Shouldn't be saying that. And the woman just point blank refused to give me a fringe, and she said, "No, I'll cut it a wee bit, a bit the side." And I was like, "No, quite. I don't want like a really heavy fringe, but I want something more." Anyway, she didn't, so I left without my fringe. You, you strike me as somebody who speaks their mind. Why didn't you just say to her, "I want a fringe"? That's what I do. Yes. What are we doing you with dresses who go? This is not how I want you to look, and it's like, well. I'm sorry, you're not me, and this is what I want. When you've said, I think I might have a fringe, you've invited their opinion. What you need to do is go, I want a fringe. Well, they are the specialists. They are the people that are supposed to know. I mean, I never get it. It's like when people use an architect or something to design their new kitchen, and the architect says, and they say, well, I want my oven there because that's, you know, blah, and the architect says, no, no, you don't want your oven there. No, it looks it looks much better over here. And it's like, well, it might look better like that on your drawing, but I'm the one that's got to use it. Mm-hmm. So I've always been kind of like, this is what I want, and thank you for your opinion, but I still want what I've just asked for. Right. I'm not that confident in knowing what I want. And in terms of the architect, don't agree with you there either because just got my bathroom <laughs> done. And I took the opinion or the advice of my sister's ex-husband, who's top architect in London. And you know what? He came out with everything down to the tiles. And I thought, fine, don't have to think about this. Thank you, Matthew. And it looks great. So I don't have the confidence to know. I suppose that's why you look at everyone else's. That's why you like when people leave the curtains open, you look through their windows and see what you've got and see what's there, see what you can copy and then go for it. But as for me coming up with the ideas, uh-uh. I think we've now established that you two are complete opposites. Have we got that? Yeah, can we just sort of move on from, from that? So, Jane, how are you feeling about being 60? Um, well, as a concept, it doesn't bother me at all. I mean, when I look back through the decades, I remember being very affected by 30. I mean, I've probably reinvented this, but in my head, I woke up on my 30th birthday and went, I must have a child. <laughs> um, I'm in my thirties, <laughs> and I and, and indeed I had my first daughter at, at thirty-one, and then forty sort of passed me by. That didn't bother me. In fact, I was on my honeymoon um, when my fortieth birthday happened, so it just kind of passed by. Fifty, I quite enjoyed. Sixty, I'll tell you what I think about sixty. You know how all your life, when you're young, you feel like, and I look at my daughters, and they're they're in this bit of their life. They're kind of they're climbing up the hill. So they're taking yeah. off an aeroplane. Yeah. And then you've got that bit of your life where you're just sort of on the brow of the hill and you're looking back at what you've done and you're kind of slightly looking at what you might still want to do. And now I feel I'm 
I'm entering that part of my life. What, you're coming into land? Yes. Yeah, well, I'm just sort of in the final third, I suppose, if you look at it in in sections. Um, And so the way it has affected me is I don't worry about it. I kind of think I don't like the alternative, you know, of not being 60, not reaching 60. I mean, a lot of my friends didn't reach 60. So, but for me, it's like, work-life balance now. I'm not thinking, it's like you mentioned at the beginning, you said, Jane, is this, 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 and you said ambitious. Mm. I am no longer ambitious Uh at all. That's completely gone. I was very ambitious when I was young and I have no ambition at all now. I'm very happy doing what I do, paying the bills. If I enjoy it, great. I'm not constantly thinking, so-and-so's got that job. I want that job. And I just don't think like that anymore. So for me now, it's more about life experiences, wanting uh, travel. I'm, I'm, you know, a really big traveler. I love to travel. Um, And so I'm just, I'm kind of just looking at my life now and thinking, okay, what do I want to do with this final third of my life? And that's quite, that's quite heavy, actually. Uh, Is that sobering, thinking about it in those terms? I don't know if it's sobering. It's just, it just, it it just is, and I and I and I do find myself thinking. I suppose it's a bit like they always say, don't they, that New Year. A lot of people reevaluate their lives because they suddenly see a whole another year. It's only an, a a day after the year before, but you suddenly look at it in a different way, and you go, "Am I going to do for the rest of this year what I've done?" The previous year, do I like my job? Do I like where I'm living? You know, is my marriage okay? All of those things. It's like sort of housekeeping. Um, and I, that's how I'm thinking. I'm kind of thinking, okay, I definitely want to move house. Um, this, you know, this house our kids lived in and our kids don't live at home anymore. So it's too big. I kind of like fix one thing and something else is going wrong. I want to, I want to have a lighter life. I want to chuck Mm. a few things out of the hot air balloon. It's funny, I was just saying that in the last podcast, wasn't I? I just had one of those mares of a week um, Mm. and I thought this big old complicated life that I've built for myself is actually becoming a real pain in the ass. And I found myself pining for Karen's life. She was up in the north of Scotland in a camper van sending me pictures of beautiful beaches and the dog running across it. And I thought, God, how did this happen? I mean, it's funny though, isn't it, Jim? Because... You know, as you described it on, you know, the upward swing of your life and then the cruise, if you like, a lot of it is about accumulating things and you were very ambitious and you have been very successful. And like you say about a house, you know, having a nice house is good, isn't it? You know, in a big house and I mean, I'm sure you don't do it consciously, but you, you can see what other people have got, what you've got, etc. Whereas to actually say, I want a smaller house is quite a significant thing to say because there's a huge amount of status attached to where you live. I, yeah, I've never really thought about that though because I, I think I grew up, I mean, <laughs> it sounds like something from Monty Python, but um, as a kid, we we didn't even, it was just me and my mum and we lived in my godparents' council house. So we didn't even have a council house of our own. But it, it meant nothing to me in terms of, I just had a really happy childhood. That's all I can remember. So I've never been brought up to kind of worry about the kind of house that I live in. It just so happened, you know, me and my husband got married quite late. As I said, I was 
nearly 40 when I got married for the first time. And so we both had separate houses. You know, we kind of bought, we're, we're old enough that by the time we came to sell our house, there was a lot of capital sitting in it. So we sort of accidentally ended up with a nice house. Um, and when we had our three kids living here, it, it, it was perfect for our needs. But I don't kind of need all that space now. And I find it a burden, if I'm honest. And and the bills, you know, and I know, listen, I'm not going to pretend that I'm worried about the cost of living crisis because I earn quite nicely. But if I'm looking at bills and thinking, crikey, you know, this is a big bill, I can only imagine what other people are going through. And, and you know, it's only going to get worse, they say, in, in October when the weather turns horrible again so I just I don't know I just kind of want to yeah I just want to unburden myself and I think when I talk about the coasting years you know particularly as women we're we're looking after our kids you know we're we're you know my husband's been very hands-on as well but you're kind of there and you're just like right get the kids to school what's that child doing get them through their exams get them to and I've sort of done all that now my my youngest is is 18 and is just about to go to college and I'm like oh I'm literally raising my head above the parapet and thinking okay I don't actually physically need to be here every day now doing all of these things for my kids because they're not here anymore so it's all about me now mm. Mm. your time of life isn't it yeah and I've got my you know I've got my health thank you very much um, you know, that's the one thing really that none of us can can guarantee. I've got my health. I have got a little bit of, of money. I'm lucky in that respect. And, and yeah, so I have choices. But that's the time of life that a lot of people get lost, isn't it? Because they have just been on that treadmill. They've had all these people depending on them. They've had all these sort of things driving them, driving mm-hmm. and driving them. And then they, poof, they disappear. Um, and for some people, that's very disorienting. Mm-hmm. So are you conscious, Jane, of having to say, right, the landscape has changed. I need to put in a different plan. No, because I think because I've always worked um, a lot, then that's always been the sort of the framework of my life. So it, it was never just about family life. I was always sort of juggling lots of different things. So for me, it's just that one of those things I've got to juggle is now not as, you know, um, prevalent in my life, i.e. my kids, they're sort of quite getting much more independent. Um, And so in that respect, I've still got the work going on. Um, So for me now, it's just, okay, where my kids were, I'm now going to fill it with the things that I want to do. Um, I mean, I, every available opportunity, I'll get on a plane and head off somewhere. Do and- you have a hobby? Because Karen keeps telling me that I need a hobby. She thinks I'm, I'm lacking in life without a hobby. I'm on my hobby horse, getting onto her a bit, not having a hobby. I think, I think she's right because I, I think in a way, I mean, I know we think of hobbies and we go, oh, ha, 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 you know, hobby means whatever. But I love sewing and I know you find that odd about me Kay because I do people would go what well, you know don't think of you doing that but and it's really mindful because 
I'm in that moment and I'm sewing and I'm looking at it and I'm concentrating and and I find it really, really relaxing. And my younger daughter is really good at art. And when she's feeling a bit stressed about everything, she takes herself off and does a drawing or does painting. And it is just a, a distraction, isn't it? Whereas I think your distraction, Kay, is to go on Twitter, which is the the kind of... <laughs> I love you even more. Madness. You know, no one is going to feel relaxed after they've been on Twitter. Jane, I think we've got more in common than Kay would like to think. <laughs> yeah, but, 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 but let me pull this back. Let me try to pull this back. I know you love your sewing and your crafty stuff, but it's kind of, as you describe it, mindfulness in an otherwise busy life, which is very different from it becoming the major part of your life or like a major plank of your life. You know, and that's what I kind of find scary. So you're obviously not thinking of retiring the way you're speaking. I won't no. retire, but I'd like to do less. Yeah. How much less? No, you know, maybe um, I, as you know, I'm freelance, so I'm I'm spinning about six or seven different plates, uh, work wise. So maybe two plates. I'd like to get it down to two plates, maybe. But uh, I mean I don't think I'll ever give up work. And in terms of, so two plates, so that's going to allow you more time in your week to do yeah. what? Uh, see my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm lucky. I live in London, but I live in, in quite a villagey area of London. And there's lots of places in London that people don't, real people don't actually live. You know, it's full of kind of, I don't know, second homeowners or whatever who aren't there very much. But I live in an area of London where people with families live. So if I go on my common, local common with my dog, I will either bump into five or six people I know, which is unusual in London, or all of my friends around here, and I'll just text them and say, shall we meet up for a dog walk? And I love doing that because, you know, you're out in the fresh air. You like walking, Kay, don't you? That is something, marching at high speed, should I say. Um, (laughs) Don't waste time, don't waste time. (laughs) I think you should talk to, Jane, I think you should talk to Kay about being more mindful. Kay would dismiss that, I think. Do you ever think about mindfulness, Kay? I've got time for it, I've got time for it. Uh, Yeah, I know, I do appreciate the the value of it it's not that I'm dismissing it but I find it difficult to incorporate into my own life because there's no time for it I, I, I don't know I mean it's, it, a lot, you lot of it's conditioning isn't it media a lot say again you incorporate going on social media a lot yeah well it's interesting you're both saying that, that because I am not it? that aware of that And but you know you've said it to me so um, I'll take it on board reluctantly. I mean, a lot of like where we started with doing this whole podcast, I think I am a product of my parents. I think we're all a product of our parents, obviously. Um, and my mum didn't like getting older. She didn't like acknowledging her age. I sort of took on that mantle. Um, and, and now I'm trying to break it. But the other thing, like mindfulness, my mum just moved the whole time. Not... I, not mm-hmm. like physical activity. She'd take the car to the fridge, as I've said a lot. But I mean, she had a busy, busy mind. She was always doing something. She never relaxed. She never sat down. I went on holiday with her quite a lot when my kids were small, hoping she'd look after the kids. It never happened, unfortunately. But there you go. And, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning, what are we going to do? And I'm thinking, Jesus, I was hoping to lie in a sun lounger for eight hours and yes. read a book. But my mum just couldn't do that. 
And she used to say to me when I was stressed and younger, she said, why don't you go for reflexology or aromatherapy? And I go, fucking hell, I would kill the therapist. I mean, the thought of lying on a bloody table for an hour and somebody slapping lavender oil on me. Oh, Relaxing. Do you think your children think that about you now? They do. I know they do. I absolutely know they do. They've said as much. How do you break these? What's your mum like, Jane? My mum is, oh gosh, stubborn beyond belief, um, but amazing. You know, um, I, I didn't have a, a dad in my life, and so she had me in the nineteen sixties as a, a single mum, which was unheard of. Um, so she's incredibly strong-minded, but uh, she's funny about her age, like you. I'm never. I, I mean. I'm going to be 60 in May, and let me tell you, she had me at 31. But I'm not allowed to say what her age is. <laughs> she absolutely goes mad at me if I do. And I, and I just keep – I don't understand that because I just say, look, the alternative – you know, there are people who sort of die in their 50s or whatever who would, who would be thrilled to be around at your age. I, I don't really understand it. But, yeah, she's very like you in that she doesn't – like the the concept of getting older. But you have obviously not taken that on board in the way that I have. So are you not like your mum or you are like your mum? No, I think I'm very different to my mum. It's, it's, um, it's strange, actually, because I, I think I'm much more, um, you know, my mum was, was brought up in the war and she had quite a sort of a tricky relationship with her mother. And so I think it knocked her confidence. So all her life, she's very much made a decision like, you know, she was a teacher and she she loved teaching, but she just stuck at it for years and years and years and years. And maybe maybe she wanted to do something else. Whereas I've always been, um, I mean, I love journalism, but I've always been in a job and then I've thought, I'm getting bored of this job now. And then I move on and my mum would be like, oh my God, you know, what do you mean you're, you're moving jobs. Why are you moving jobs? You know, you've got a solid job. I go, yeah, well, if I go over there, I'll get more money and they'll, you know, and da, 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 da. And then this lot will probably poach me back at a later date, which of course is always what happens in, in journalism. So I'm much more bold than she is, but she's, she's emboldened me in yeah, a way but- that my mother didn't embolden her. So what I was going to say to you, where did your boldness come from? But you think despite your mum didn't have it herself, she managed to sort of engender it in you? I'm an only child. I had no um, I had no kind of role models in my So I didn't really have a male role model in my life. <clears throat> um, and I didn't have siblings to compete with. But in a way, that means that I just grew up with nobody ever telling me I couldn't do something. For me, the concept of not being able to do something was alien. So I just thought, like when I was 11, I said, well, I want to be a journalist. And my school were horrified. Um, I I was, you know, just at a a normal state school, but they were like, oh, journalism. They'd never even heard of anybody wanting to do journalism. Um, But I was absolutely set on it and... Because the, for me, it was like, well, why not? Because nobody had ever said to me, you can't do that. She wasn't saying, you know, look in the mirror and say, I am amazing. She didn't do any of that. But equally, I don't know. It's just, it's a really weird thing. So I've been asked that question quite a few times. And 
it, it wasn't that she was saying to me, you can do anything in a, you know, a, a kind of a cheerleader kind of way. It's just that she wasn't saying to me, you can't do it, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. So like, well, here I am. I always knew that the town I was living in, and it wasn't, I loved the town that I lived in, but I always knew I wasn't going to stay there. Mm, I'm the same. My, a lot of my friends stayed, got married, and and are very happily settled. But there, there was just, it was never like a conscious thing. It was just like, I just knew that I was going to go to London and I was going to go and do all of these things that, I, that I've that i ended up doing. Anyway, Kay, what about you then? How was your, um, like, how have you been shaped, shaped by your mum? Well, I mean, I think it's interesting what Jane says. I was exactly the same, much as I, I had a really happy childhood and I had a really nice time in my hometown of Grangemouth. Um, I always knew I wasn't going to stay there. Um, I think the difference was that I was told I could do anything. Um, my mum and dad were both very... Um, not again Jane not cheerleading we weren't all new agey Christ it was a long time ago but they led by example you know they were both very much uh, council house kids you know like my grandpa was a docker the other one was a miner my granny was a hospital cleaner so we didn't come from you know middle class background but you know they were quite bold people and my mum became a midwife and then they set up a business, etc. So by example, um, they showed me that you could, you know, there was no barriers. Mm. I think I, I remember saying I wanted to be a mechanic and I was told, actually not by my mum, but by our, our um, teacher in school, don't be ridiculous, uh, you'll distract the other boys in the college. So that was out. So then I thought I'd like to go into acting school, don't be ridiculous. And they basically sort of set me on a secretarial course. <laughs> that that was a big thing. I mean, that, I remember that was what they said to me at my school when I said I want to be a journalist. One of the teachers said, oh, but, you know, that's full of men. It's, men, it's a, ma- a male dog. Why would you want to do that? And, you know, yes, here is here are some brochures for secretarial college. And I was like, what? I know. I wonder how many people of our age, because it'll be men and women, um, who are approaching 60, beyond 60, have led a life that they kind of really didn't want to. A lot. I remember going to see this guy who had some back injury or whatever. I don't know. I've always remembered this. And I was quite a lot younger at the time. But anyway, so some sort of sports massage for my back, which I tolerated because it had a purpose. Um, and he was a really nice bloke, and he would probably have been in his late 50s. I was maybe in my early 30s. So chatting away, blah, 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 what'd you do? Um, and he said, actually, I've retrained to do this. Um, I've only been doing this for maybe five years. What'd you do before there? He said he worked in the tax office, funnily enough. Wow. Um, he said, I worked in the tax office for 30 years. And then he paused and he said, and I hated every oh my single God. minute of it. And the way he said it, I remember thinking, Jesus Christ. A lifetime. You've hated a lot of your lifetime. And I went, how many people mm-hmm. are are in that boat? I mean, I don't know whether future generations will do the same thing or whether, you know, this is our generation story, but it's pretty awful, isn't it? And also, I mean, a lot of people went into jobs out of necessity, didn't they? Because if you come back, you come from a background where there's not a great deal of money and the bills need paying then it's like you know get out there and because for example i mean journalism can be quite um fickle the world of acting can be quite fickle can't it karen you know so Uh in a way you can understand um 
that parents of that generation would be cautious because they would think, well, how are you going to pay the bills when mm-hmm. you can't you can't get a you know it's not regular work. Um, but I think I think attitudes have changed now. I think um, you know my kids will never face that. I think because that whole world of creativity and, and stuff is now much more accepted. I want to take this in a completely different direction. Go on. Are you a touchy feely person? Me? Yeah. In what way? Because you've got about people like a massage or somebody touching my or what was the other thing? Um, your what was it? Your mum suggested go and have a reflexology yeah, again. Anything that 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 causes that that sort of closeness. I don't want that. And I just wondered whether have you got an issue with that? Um, well, I don't know. I mean, it's a bit about being Scottish, but funnily enough, having worked in England for a long time and with people like Jane and, you know, loveys. Well, Jane's not a lovey, actually, but you know what I mean, Jane. We we do work yeah. with loveys, don't we, who are much more touchy-feely. Nadia. It has, yeah, Nadia is very touchy-feely, Nadia Sawala. So I have learned to be more touchy-feely mm-hmm. in, in that kind of professional sense, and I actually really like it. But I, I've, I've got to be kind of two people because, you know, working in Scotland, people don't tend to like it. We're much more reserved. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm probably a different person when I'm in London from the one that I am in Glasgow. And at home with Ian? No, I'm not. Ian's much more affectionate than, than I am. <laughs> so you're not touchy-feely. You no. wouldn't approach Ian for the big snog at the end of the day no. when you see him. Don't look at me like that because I don't imagine you're particularly touchy-feely. I've well, you're, you're a vibrator be. woman, of course. <laughs> Why? God, will we ever give that up? No, I'll not give it up. No. <laughs> no. Will we ever hear the end of it? Are you no, touchy-feely? Yeah, I think I think I'm more so now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mum, my mum wasn't. I mean, Actually. my God, my mum absolutely adored me, but it's she still wouldn't hug me. Was your mum touchy feely, Jane? No, no, because, because that, she didn't really get that from her mother. So her father was, you know, not around much because it was the it was the war, and her mother was not that kind of person at all. Um, so no, I mean. Always there for me, always incredibly supportive, but not, you know, massively touchy feely. And I'm not touchy feely at all. And I'm in exactly the same boat as, as as UK. That now I'm mingling a lot more with, you know, because obviously loose women by by its nature is women who tend to be more touchy feely. I've I've been in a profession that's you know a lot of men around, um, and so I have learned to be more touchy-feely but it's it's funny because I don't know sometimes you know like um Nadia for example might be talking to you about something and she'll just sort of grasp your hand (laughs) and she's not even noticing that we're holding hands and the whole time she's talking I'm thinking at what point is it appropriate (laughs) (laughs) I've had exactly that experience that I feel (laughs) you know it's just yeah it's just the way I was brought up, I guess. Oh God, it's so funny you say that. I've been in exactly the same situation because, you know, initially <laughs> when somebody out. puts their hand on you, you think, oh, that's really nice. And then right. you're thinking, when are you going to take your hand away? <laughs> yes. are, are you still holding yeah. my hand? It's been 10 minutes now. <laughs> the moment that has passed, there's no need for us to be holding hands anymore. <laughs> oh, God. And now, How to Be 60 presents The Big 60 Bingo. Do you want to play some bingo, Big 6 bingo, Jane? Go on. 
Right, here we go. So I've got a whole list of questions. You've probably at some point inspired some of them. Um, right, okay. Uh, They're none of my questions because she's so controlling. No, she I, wouldn't allow me. Do you think I'm controlling, to... Jane? Um, yep, that pause has said it all. I think you have the potential to be if allowed to be. Oh, right. That's interesting. So you're an equal. So she won't. Um, she so Kay won't. She'll sort of kind of like stay within limits. However, in other places, like with myself or the production team, you make me BBC, out to be a right old bully. I'm just no, no. I'm just saying it as it is. Aaron, that's why you need to learn to say what you want more. This is why I'm on this podcast. I've got license to say what I want. Thank it's you. Great. Thank you. So take some responsibility. Pardon? Then you'll find Kay will immediately back down because also she has a large liberal side to her where she doesn't want to look like she's trying to um, make you do something that you don't want to do. But if you don't articulate your opinion, mm -hmm. then she's going to get swept away. See, there you go. I, I'm going to close down this conversation because I don't really <laughs> I want to give Karen any tactics for having her own way. Uh, right, so it's 4.040 and that question is... What is your best childhood memory? Probably. I mean, it's a very weird childhood memory, but it really shaped me. So when we lived with my godparents in their council house, they had two sons who were about 10 and 12 years older than me, and they were both in the army. And it probably wouldn't be allowed now, but when I was about 14, they took me off to army camp with them. They were they were like training squaddies in, in Christiansand in Norway. Um, and so I went to this army barracks for most of the summer. <laughs> You're right, it wouldn't be allowed now. <laughs> and they were training squaddies how to um, lower people off, rescue people off mountains. Oh my God. And now they use dummies. But they just went, oh, Jane, come here. And they put me on this thing and lowered me off a mountain. Oh, my God. And then kind of like hoisted me back. And I don't know, I just, I think to this day I... I'm very comfortable in the company of, of men. I have a lot of male friends. And I thought it, I think it taught me a, a toughness that maybe saw me very well in, in journalism. Hmm. Karen? Best childhood memory. Tell it to be best, but good. A good one was, and um, we spoke about this on the radio programme, um, working in the taxi office when I was about 11. So my dad was a oh, bit... You said tax office. <laughs> no, yes, it's a bit like taxi office. Mm -hmm. um, my uh, parents are a bit like local hero. You know, they had lots of different things going on in the one village. So you I know, think you mean Del Boy. Del Boy. <laughs> I prefer local heroes. It's nicer. <laughs> you plonker. <laughs> and one of the things was they had a taxi office. And I worked in this taxi office. And I was telling my, one of my sisters about it. And she said, oh, remember when that person was lying flat out? They were completely comatose and they were lying flat out on the floor. I don't remember that at all. It was New Year's Eve, Hogmanay. And I was, yeah, 11. This is just one of the evenings. And propped up on a stool at the slide. There was a slidey window um, at this. It was one of those, um, yeah, what, what do you call those small buildings? <laughs> and, a um, porter cabin. A porter cabin. Yay! That's it. Christ, eventually. God. And uh, we'd been about midnight or whatever, or 11 o'clock at night, and taking taxis, uh, taking um, hires, you know, over the phone, and people coming in out of the cold and standing there, and this little electric bar heat at the back. And I just thought, I, I, 
it was brilliant. You know, I was the bee's knees. It was fantastic. And I love the responsibility of it. And I remember actually meeting somebody about three years ago in Aviemore, uh, David McKenzie. And he actually said to me, oh, no relation. And he said to me, oh, my God, I remember you worked in the taxi office because he must have been one of the taxi drivers at the time. And I thought, my God, 11 years of age. Loved it. And it was that thing, get me, get me, get me, look at me. That's so. funny because both of those stories, aren't they, about independence? Hmm. You know, uh, and, yes. uh, you know, being kind of trusted, having a bit of responsibility. And mine would probably be the, the same. I, I was really into horse riding as a kid. Um, and there was a local stables about five miles from our house. And a whole bunch of us used to just camp up there all summer. I mean, a complete fire risk. We actually, six of us slept above the hayloft with a little gas camping stove oh where we made our... God. And it didn't do you any harm? Didn't do me any harm. Well, yeah, I know. God, terrible, these old stories. But, you know, it... It was about independence. It was about getting a bit of freedom from your mum and dad, you know, not necessarily because you were unhappy at home, but just to sort of make your own way. Um, and that's kind of what we all remember about childhood. None of us have said the time I got that amazing present mm -hmm. or the time that I went to that incredible place or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's all been about You're right. like developing. Oh, we're getting deep. Let's go for another ball. Whenever it gets deep, go for another ball. That's... Uh, Nothing that nobody ever said. Number four. Do you have number four? Just to give you something uh, to do. Oh, thank you. I thought said, are you busty? <gasps> are you lusty? Oh, Ooh. are you lusty? Lusty. So do you lust after, and who do you lust after, Jane? <laughs> <laughs> Talking of which, I was walking down the street the other day with uh, one Kay Adams, and she was telling me a story, and this man walked past us he's probably about 35 and she completely lost track of what she was saying well that's interesting <laughs> isn't it i think lusting after that young man yeah yeah well so you don't lose it i'm not going to deny that but you neatly deflected there, i know i Jane. noticed that now i was going to come back to you on that because we're talking about you i'm trying to think i'm trying to think i mean to be honest, even when I was young, I wasn't really a very lusty person. Um, I would, I would sort of, you know, if I ended up dating somebody, it would be there would be a spark, but it would be more to do with humour and banter. And if you're talking about, do you mean like physical, like for I can't wait to get you into a room on your own kind of lust? That's exactly what I'm talking about. I was going to say fluttery tummy, but clearly he's on a different level. I've I've always been more about what's going on up here than than just the sort of the the that sort of visceral kind of like. Yeah, but once you decide that you like what's going on up there, I mean, have you never been lusty for what's going on down, down there? there? This has taken a very long <laughs> turn, I have to say. Actually, we're quite late in the podcast to be taking this turn, aren't we? It normally comes It quite just came up in the bingo. I didn't fix it. It was just there. You're both very uncomfortable. I cannot believe that I am in a situation with another two women my age and I'm the one who's talking about being lusty. That has never happened before. Are you lusty? Am I lusty? Um, well, 
I, I do do I lust after young men? I'm going to sound like an old pair. Mm-hmm. You're right. I remember that occasion. And yes, <laughs> did Funny, you talk about it at the time? Okay, right. I'm going to be honest now. Okay. I hope you are. As a younger woman, mm. yes, I, I would see people and I would think, God, they're really nice, and I would feel lusty. You know, yeah. it occupied my time as I was flying up and down to London. Mm-hmm. Then it probably went away for a while, which I would imagine is menopause related. Mm. Um, in fact, absolutely dead as a doornail. I mean, you could have had Brad Pitt in a <laughs> song dancing up and down in front of me offering me his porch scratchings and I would have said excuse me um, can you pass that Mm. over there Um, and now it has kind of come back a little bit I am randomly lusting at people um, in the street please don't think that I'm going to do anything about it in terms of my long term relationship I I think it's difficult to have lust for a long number of years Yeah, you know I mean I'm sure there's a few people listening that would say that they do but it's a, bit, it's a bit like eating in the same restaurant every night, isn't it? If you could, it's just like the same menu. It's like, oh god, you know, not spaghetti bolognese again or whatever. So you've got to find ways, I guess, to to, you know, make it, make it different. Are you listening, Key? Yeah, well, no, no, but I, I know what Jane's saying. I mean, it's not to say that you can't have a really lovely, intimate life, but. It's unlikely to be the same as what you had when you were 25. I mean, it, well, I, maybe I, that's not a bad thing. I've said it before on, on, on the show. I do sometimes because, you know, having um, children now that are sort of 18 and in their 20s, <clears throat> I look at them sometimes and I get a real sort of sense of, of oh, I'm never going to have that feeling again of going to the cork and bottle wine bar or whatever and seeing somebody across the room and, and thinking, you know, you're mine. Um, you never, you never, you know, when you're in a long-term relationship, you're never going to get that feeling. But, but then again, the benefits of being in a, a, a long-term relationship are so great. You know, that, that sort of familiarity and shared experience and whatever that's lovely as well. And I'm, I'm, t- you know, God forbid if, Gary went under a bus or whatever, or I pushed him. Um, <laughs> I, if I was back on the dating scene, I'm not sure I would ever feel like that because you would. I don't know because I I don't know how I would feel now about I don't know how I feel now about me as a sexual being if that makes sense you know. Well, when Karen I- has had that. I mean, when did you meet Stephen? A nine years ago. But you would, Jane. It's just because you are lucky enough to be with the same person for how many years and it is a bit of a thought thinking I have to go out there again and oh my god the thought of that 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 it does absolutely does come back yeah yeah Yeah. maybe and it's lovely but that whole thing of taking your clothes off again in front of somebody that is new yeah it's funny hearing you say that but I suppose it's like what was that like because you would be, what, uh, mid-50s? Uh, yeah, fif- yeah, yeah, early, fi- yeah, 53 or so. Um, it was fine because that's the last thing. It's a bit like after you've had kids. You're really honest to God, don't really, you know, you've got a doctor without any worries at all. So, I mean, once you've once you're at that stage in your life and you want to be, you think, right, What's yeah? I wouldn't mind kind of like taking this a bit further. Then the last thing you're thinking about is, God, I wonder what they think about my body. Yeah. Well, probably no more than you did when you were 25. Because I mean, when I was 25, and if you were sleeping with somebody new, I worried about my body then. 
but probably I now look back and think, why did I worry about my body? Because actually it was probably in pretty good nick. But I did. But you didn't, did you? Where did you meet, Karen? Did you meet online or through? No, a a cycling group. I did an an item for work on when is it, you know, can you give up on a cycle? And uh, I looked at the, I, I kind of Googled cycling groups to find out. And actually, he, I think, was he on the cycle that I'm just warbling now, but we met on a cycle, yeah, group that I joined. I yeah. think that's a really good place to meet someone because you know that they like going out and about. And Well, the and- funny thing was, so we were cycling along, so interrupt. we were cycling along and I couldn't work out whether he was married or not. I He had two grown-up children, I because he would phone ahead and say, listen, can you put some food on for me? I'm home and I thought, anyway, we were cycling out to Straven one day and I thought, great, I've got him on his own because, you know, the rest of the group were ahead or behind or whatever. And I said, so are you married or not? And he said, well, I am and I am not And I said, well, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, yeah, I'm married, but, you know, we're not in a great stage. And actually, I've been told that I'm kind of going to get out after the youngest son's blah, 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 or whatever. And I said, do you know what? I think I think you should go and see a, a, a therapist. And he said, she is a therapist. <laughs> I said, like, all right, okay then. So, um, yeah, it was that and that was it. Yeah. Oh wow! Well, there you go. There's there's a hope for us yet. Then Jane, you know, if uh, maybe Gary and Eno run it. What was that? Um, there was a television program, wasn't it? Was it Grace and Frankie or whatever? Oh, yeah, I the, did the, not <laughs> like that at all. Yeah. Good concept though. The two guys fall in love yes. with each other, and the women are left trying to find somebody. Yeah. Um, that might be us, Jane. You never know. I'll introduce <laughs> Ian to Gary, and uh, we'll, we'll see what they they do. We can get. Back out there on the scene, man. Um, well, our little format has completely gone out the window today. Yeah, it has. We're not going to do 60 in the spotlight or no. topical things, which is silly because we have, um, you know, but we can... a well-known journalist with us, but never oh, mind. that's a point. Yeah, yeah, but never mind. Yeah. Um, Jane, thank you very much indeed. It's been really nice to speak to you, as it always is. It's lovely to meet you, Jane. Yeah, nice to meet you, Karen, and I look forward to seeing you with the Fringe. Yes. Yes. Send you a pic. I'll send it to Kay and she can send it on. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, Yeah, speak soon, Jane. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Actually, I've got a hair thing for you. Uh, What I did, and this has moved on so much because we talked about going Mm grey or dyeing your hair. Mm -hmm. And now we've talked last week about the crop and Jane's talking about the fringe. But anyway, I went and got us two wigs. I've got a blonde wig and a grey wig. Okay, so I want we'll, we'll do this. Did I bring them with me? No, I'll have to bring them next week. Oh so, my god, you actually went out and and, and well, no, I didn't. I'm Amazon, thank you. I'm not going to go out, am I? Um, <laughs> and so I've got a grey wig for me, uh-huh. and I have got a blonde wig for you. And I think we should go out together, go out for coffee and, and just walk about a bit and just see what we feel and what other people feel about us. And actually, I'll go home and I'll look at it and I'll cut a fringe into it. Oh, my God. So you can look like Jane Moore. I would love to look like Jane Moore. She looks good, doesn't she? She looks fantastic. Yeah, she does look fantastic. I thought you were going to tell me you got the grey wigs, the the, the wigs that of Anne Summers. Uh, No, no. Did I tell you that I I think that I've snared Jonathan Ross for next week? Seriously? Yeah, yeah. So are you big mates? Yeah, 
No, uh, but we're, we're, I've got his number somewhere. That I don't know how I got it. That is very exciting. Isn't it exciting? I'm hoping that he will. God, he's, he's emailed me. He's got back to me. He oh knows the date. He says he's going to do it. I'm hoping he's not going to let me down. I'm putting this out in public now just to make sure he doesn't let so me down. So when you say he emailed you personally? Yeah, what he, his fingers work. What, not his I mean, he doesn't need somebody else to do wow, his emails for him. So that's quite impressive, isn't it? Okay. Yeah, so maybe, maybe you could do a bit of homework. I bet for that, you know, God. because I really well, don't want that experience again of embarrassing. Jane, Thanks Karen, Karen, indeed. Jane, I don't know who you are yeah, you, because that really was a bit difficult for me. You did sort of me. man me in it, didn't Yeah, you? not really. You did. And then you went right up her bum. Well, she's just lovely, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, she, she is. is she is lovely. She is lovely. She definitely is. Um, I'm interested, and I haven't read out my emails mates. either. We had lots of emails from oh, people. Oh, come on, just... Yeah. No, no, we don't have time, but oh. we'll do them next week. But I'm really interested in people who have uh, got a late relationship. Um, yes. And the lust thing. Yes. So did you meet your partner later on in life, whenever you want, let's say post 50. Shall we yeah, say I think post, post 50, 50. Or yeah. post 60. Post uh, 50. Yeah. Um, and 55. does that lust return? Karen says that it does. Absolutely. Jane and I are a little bit sceptical. Um, podcast at HTB60. That's how to be 60. HTB60. 60.com. I'm going to keep go. saying 60. Yeah, 60. Six love, we should say. And I'm really looking forward to getting some stories in on that. So please do uh, get in touch. Right, you better get off on your bike, madam. I'm I'm off. Like you're going off on a trip. Yes. Where are you going? Uh, I'm going to do the Catterham Trail. Catterham Trail, which is uh, from Blair Gowrie, sort of Spitle of Glenshee, um, Ailith, and then back down. It's a 66 mile walk. Great, that sounds smashing. Enjoy. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, lovely. Mm-hmm. Bye. How to Be 60 was written and presented by Kay Adams with Karen McKenzie. A new episode drops every Friday, so make sure you follow and subscribe so you don't miss a single one. And while you're there, rate and review. Thank you. <laughs>